Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. So another week here on the Mike Abadir Show, April the 22nd. 22- Second, 2021, Gina Bacola here alongside the main man, Mike Abadir, as we are getting closer and closer to the Kentucky Derby uh, just over a week out. We'll talk a lot about that next week. And baseball season continues to roll on. Uh, unfortunately, in the NBA, it just seems like every day it's like another big star who's having a, a major, major injury. Fingers crossed and knock on wood that it might be the opposite for the Lakers, who um, I believe in a couple hours, Anthony Davis is going to make his return. He has missed 30 consecutive games. And then in about a week, a week and a half or so, LeBron should be back heading into the playoffs. So lots going on in the world. Absolutely lots going on. And uh, LeBron's finding himself with a little uh, Twitter back and forth. Uh, That's kind of what life's all about nowadays. But on the court, yeah, I think that there are some... um, in, intriguing storylines, always unfortunate whenever there are any type of injuries at all. And like you said, keep our fingers crossed. I'd like to see everybody at full strength because that's what makes it more the, the most fun. Uh, and speaking of fun, Padres-Dodgers tonight. And I am really looking forward to this series. I thought the last one, which was right after our last show, Gino, we talked about it. We anticipated it. And I don't think it let us down in any way. I thought it was an absolutely great series. I just hope that Tatis kind of gets back on track a little bit so we could see some of his razzle-dazzle. We don't see baseball like that. I mean, I mean, there were there were like Yankees Red Sox series like, you know, some years ago that were that were good. Um but like there it's rare that um you're really really big rival and you are kind of like both good at the same time, you know. Uh, just timing wise, it's like, oh, the Red Sox would have a good couple years or the kind of the Yankees would have a good few years. Um, there were a couple times where, where they were definitely rivals in, in the playoffs and stuff. But um, this was like you don't get this in April. Um, I mean, there were people that aren't Dodger fans, or aren't Padre fans that were really, really enjoying watching this series. And it felt like both teams um, took it seriously. I think from from a Dodger and kind of a Dodger fan perspective, you know, both both teams t- took it seriously because one, you know, the Padres feel like they're this new, young, exciting team. They made a bunch of uh, big moves in the offseason. They've got a, a really talented roster. Um, but if you're the Dodgers, you look down at them and say, you haven't done anything yet, right? Like, we keep beating you every time. And so... It, the Dodgers, I think, get like frustrated that the Padres want to call out the Dodgers. The Padres are kind of like, hey, pay attention to me. You know, it's like this fun, like older brother, younger brother type relationship. And um, the Padres could have won all three of the games over the weekend. They could have swept the Dodgers. They really could have. But it was just um, the difference between winning those games and losing were just like a Mookie sliding catch. We had a, a 12 inning game where each team had like two or three chances to win and they blew the game like two or three different times. Basically everything you can imagine in a baseball series, you got in a series in the middle of April, which just is, is really great for baseball. Normally people don't even start caring or talking about baseball until like after the NBA finals, you know, it's like, okay, now it's baseball time. This felt like baseball really, really taking center stage. 
Yeah, and I, I sense an uptick in wagering on baseball. I sense an uptick in people getting back into fantasy in baseball. Because at one time, fantasy baseball was actually bigger than fantasy football. Uh, many people probably don't even know that because it was so long ago, uh, or it feels so long ago. But in terms of that series, yeah, like I said at the top, this was something that I was really looking forward to. Absolutely lived up to the billing. You make a great point about how competitive the series was. But I'll tell you, from the Padres' perspective, they had to get that third game uh, I think just for confidence, just to get their mojo going, to kind of yeah. get their monkey off the bat. I mean, they're struggling right now. They're they're ten and ten. You know, I'm, and I'm not worried about them as a team. Like they look, they're fine. Obviously, you like they got the number one ERA in the league. Like they're a good team, but they're a little bit banged up right now. Um, their pitching staff is a little banged up, and that like. You know, for for like I said, they could have won every any one of those games, but they very easily could have been swept. I mean, Bauer shut them down, and the Dodgers gave that game away late with you know not necessarily their number one and two bullpen options. It was uh you know a couple that probably won't be guys closing out games for the Dodgers in big games that the Padres were able to get to. So again, fun everything, but if you're the Padres, you kind of want to look up at the at the the standings right now and notice that okay, it's 20 games into the year, but we're 10 and 10. We're 10 and 10 when the Dodgers are 14 and four. We're already five games behind them. You come up this weekend and you lose three out of four. You know, you got to make sure if you're the Padres, you split this series this weekend. Absolutely. Especially too, because a lot of the times what happens, like we saw this with Chris Sale and the Red Sox. Once he was hurt, it, it's almost like the Red Sox are like, oh, we, we lost any chance to be able to repeat. And it took the steam right out of them. And so when you have injuries that, that are big like that, you know, the Padres, they're fortunate because they got Blake Snell, they got Musgrove, they got you, and they got Paddock. But Lamette's hurt. Adrian Morahan, who is supposed to be a stud, is uh, slated for Tommy John surgery. Clavenger. So, yeah, exactly. So they they have several guys where they it kind of could have taken the steam out of them, but because their roster is so loaded, um, you know, I think it's just an adjustment, you know. And like you said, ten and ten is just the first twenty games, and the next twenty games they'll probably go thirteen and seven, and uh, that's just kind of the way that baseball works. But here's what I will tell you, though, when we're talking about the Dodgers, and it's nice to have a rival that's good at the same time. We kind of missed that with uh, the Giants. World Series run, and uh, you know the Dodgers Giants games are always big. They're always anticipated. They're always nasty. Uh, but I'd love to see them duking it out for a World Series in the same way that the Red Sox and the Yankees duked it out for the World Series, and they inevitably met in the playoffs several times. And most people felt that whoever won would go on to represent the American League. And the irony here is this. I haven't heard people really talk a lot about this. Uh, maybe you have, Gino. I don't know. But the NL West, West needs to get a lot of credit in the same way that the SEC gets credit as being the football power that always wins the championship. It should be the same for the NL West. Look how many times they've been represented in the World Series since 2010. Yeah, just just recently. Yeah. 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 I mean, just th- three times with the Giants and what? Three times with the Dodgers. I mean, that's sick. No other divisions produce six and uh, four World Series rings. So very, really, really impressive uh, from, you know, from the Dodgers is just make, making themselves that team. Um, and you know what? It's funny. Like 
they're not even playing that well. It's I, I it's gonna you're gonna oh they're fourteen to four. They're not like no, like, no, you no watch, you're right. I thought we would see several ten run games. Yeah, like several they, you know that which they're capable of. Uh, I agree. They they're, they have not played their best off offensively. They ha- they're not firing on all cylinders. They're pitching great, and yes. it's funny they're they're fourteen and four, and the four games they lost. One of them they really lost. The other three games they blew. Like they could have one loss. <laughs> like they've they've spit out two leads in the la- late in the game, and then another game against Seattle they lost that game because of an error. Like literally, like they, the difference in the game was an error that cost them the game. So um, it's funny because it just shows you the depth. Uh, Bellinger's been hurt. He Momuki is is a little banged up right now too. Um, but they just can kind of kind of find ways to win right now, and uh, I'm I'm really pumped for. Um, the the Thursday through Sunday series here with the pods that should be great appointment TV all weekend long. Um, yeah. There were there were three other teams like in baseball I really wanted to do a, to talk a little bit about because they've had either good or bad weeks and uh, the first one is the Oakland A's. Uh, remember the start for Oakland? Terrible. They've won, they've won eleven in a row. They they're they're fifth in runs. They're third in home runs. They're eighth in OPS. They are all the way up to lead the American League West right now. They're twelve and seven. They're tied with the Red Sox for the best record in the American League. I wouldn't have thought that. It, look, I predicted the A's. They, they've been the team that I'm, I'm, ro- I'm going to be the team I'm rolling with all season long. I did not expect that they'd be in first place already after, after that, start. that start. No, after no that way. Start, no way. That's unbelievable. And like you would only, by the way, because they're half game up on the Mariners. The only way. The only way that they'd be in first place is if they won 11 in a row. Now, if after the <laughs> Ofer start, if I'd have told you, hey, the A's are going to win 11 in a row and be in first place in the uh, Before they days, hit 20 games. You'd be like, you're out of your mind. I, whatever you're smoking, send it my way. I thought it was exactly. 420 a few days ago, Mike. It's not 420 anymore, you know? Exactly. And, and by the way, a complete flip-flop for the Astros because they looked really dominant. Now, I know they've had a lot of COVID issues, but, uh, you know, they just one nine. That was the other team. I Lots with the A's. Teams went, yeah, one of the teams. Yeah, I they went to talk from about. first to last and last to first. And they are fifth in the division. They're four full games behind the A's in the in like in the division. And the thing about the Astros, you know, you look at them. They're not doing anything well. Like the A's, you. I thought, you know, the A's they'll be fine to solid offensively, and then you always expect like like a top pitching staff from them. And it's been the complete opposite. Like their pitching staff is one of the bottom staffs. And the reason why the A's have been winning is because they're like top 10 in a lot of offensive categories, you know, like I said, third in home runs and top five in runs. The Astros, like they're not doing anything well. You know, you look at this lineup and you still think, oh man, like that's a loaded batting order. They, they should be able to still score a lot of runs. I mean, they're 11th in batting average. They're only hitting 243 as a team. They're 18th in on-base percentage. And then on the opposite side, they're 21st in ERA and they're 17th in whip. They're not really doing anything well. No. No, they're really not. And so, uh, and I think their record probably reflects that right now. And, you know, uh, I don't think that this is the way it's going to go all season long for them. Uh, oh, because uh, Dusty Baker is a very underrated manager. I love Dusty Baker, and I know he'll right the ship. But it's just been a fascinating first few weeks of the season so far. Um, and before we leave the American League, 
the Yankees and the Red Sox first and last. And I know Red Sox fans love that. The thing with the Yankees is this. What's going to change? I think they're going to hit a little bit better because they've been their batting average is dismal. The last I looked, they were towards the bottom yeah, of the that, league. Yeah, that's the change. Like, I don't know if you yeah. think that they're going to have an incredible pitching staff, but they're going to start hitting a, yeah, lot, a lot. So I, I think the hitting is going to improve. I don't know about the pitching. Uh, but, I mean, this is how bad the hitting is. Uh, they are last in runs in the American Yeah, that, that's that's the point. Last. Like, like how, how can you be last? How can the Yankees be last in runs in the American League? They'd be the last, last in the whole major leagues, except – the Mets had like five rainouts or something. Yeah, so the they've Mets only, have only played, played 13 games. games. Yeah. Um, you know? So but that's where the Yankees will, will like, they'll finish, even if like a bad year for the Yankees would be to be middle of the pack in runs. Like, that would be a, a bad year offensively because th- that's how they're going to win. Um, it's funny that you bring that up because, like, uh, it, it does show you that 20 games in a Major League Baseball season isn't that much but it it is it is important in this case when you're talking about the Yankees and the Red Sox because the Yankees played about as bad as you could have imagined in their 17 games whereas at the same time the Red Sox played about as well as you could have imagined in their 19 games so it wasn't as if the Yankees played like crap and the Red Sox were just sort of playing 500 that that's what what is is um is important to look at because you know looking at the the, the season projections that I look at a lot of time, fan graphs I reference those fan graphs thought that the Red Sox would be like a five above five hundred team um a little over five hundred and that the Yankees would be really really good but now um based on what has happened in those two in these you know twenty games a little over two weeks. It has evened things out so much to where the Yankees are projected to win 90 games. The Red Sox are projected to win 89. So things are really evening out. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, using more information that we're given throughout the season. So they are not completely down on the Yankees, but they have made some adjustments and realized that uh, the the difference between the what we thought the difference between these two teams is has not been apparent through 20 games. And so while 20 games is a small sample size, you can't just continue to bank on projections until you start to see a little bit of that this year. And one other thing to keep in mind is we look at games back in baseball more than probably any other sport. I mean, they do in basketball and football, of course, but baseball, because it's such a long season, games back is a really big deal. And it remains a really, really big deal until September. And when you're looking at the wild card races, for example, it kind of sort of like the pendulum swings a little bit from games back to how many teams do you have to leapfrog? So you could be like two and a half games out. Very, very reasonable. But if you have seven teams to leapfrog for the last wild card spot, it's a big ask, even though they're only two and a half games back. And so the Yankees just have to be careful because when you're last, yeah, you're going to leapfrog the Orioles. But it's no guarantee that they're going to bypass the Rays, the Blue Jays. You know, the the Rays are obviously we're, a formidable foe. World we're their Series lucky. representative. And uh, most, I think both these teams are going to be playing better than their record suggests, both the Jays and the Rays. So yeah, that's think- the thing that the Yankees have to be careful about. Um, you know, but look, we saw your team, the Nationals, or the team you predicted, the Nationals, 
they stunk up the joint, and then they went on a tear. Oh, the so, Dodgers two years ago, uh, when they lost to the Red Sox in the World Series, they were awful. I mean, they had a losing record throughout the. I mean, they were terrible to start the season, and then they flipped. They. I mean, remember the Dodgers actually had to play that play-in game against the Rockies to see if they were going to win the division oh, or have that's to play right. in, a, in a wild that's card right. game on the last day of the year. So, I mean, they had a terrible year, and then flipped a switch late. Um, I think with the Yankees, like. It's like the Yankee fans are disappointed and they're not really even like complaining like, oh, the Yankees are getting they're like, we suck right now. You know, like they're they're not like even they understand things aren't looking good. I think where they're the Yankees are sort of okay is that besides Boston and and even Boston, like right, like Boston's 12 and seven, but they're not necessarily like like if they were like a 14 and four right now, even like how the Dodgers are or, you know, had like a a Mariner started 13 and two a couple years ago. Then they'd be in a little bit of trouble. They're sort of okay. Still, I like. I'm not going to worry all that much about the Yankees. Probably for another month or so, um, because you know, Tampa, Toronto, and Baltimore are all right around 500. And two, like you said, we've been preaching this from the moment you and I did the the American League preview on that's what G said. The American League sucks in the nicest way possible. Like in. From top to bottom, there are no great, great teams. Like, Boston has played very good. Oakland has played very good. I don't think we, any of us thought that, like, those are necessarily one of the two, one or two best teams in baseball or, like, the most complete teams, but they've been playing good ball. There's no team that you look at in the American League right now. I mean, think about what would have been projected to start the year. The Yankees, Twins, and Astros were the favorite to win their divisions. And they're all at dead last in each of their divisions. <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah. Well, we have an, another week goes by, and the Royals are still in first. wonder how many weeks we're going to be able to say that. 10-7 uh, and seven record, but with a minus run differential. We'll see that how that goes. If that continues to drop but, into but that's a kind further of like negative a template. number, then you'll probably see the losses start piling up. But if they can you know, kind of like even out that run differential over time, it would tell me that there's some sustainability there in a division that kind of looks to me like nobody wants it at this stage of the season. Very early, but at this stage, you know, pretty much the whole division has stunk it up. You only have one team above 500. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so. and, and this, like, they are a team that, I mean, they're never going to crush anybody, right? So they're probably never going to have a, a, a massive run differential. In fact, they, like, they would be the type of team that could have a winning record with a minus because some games they'll get killed, and then other games they manufacture runs. You know, They play small ball. They steal bags. Um, they do things that other teams don't when they try to play big, and that may be how they end up winning a lot of one- or two-run games when people are, are trying to you know, uh, hit home runs, and, and they're a little more okay with playing small. Hey, look, that's kind of the formula that they had when they went on a World Series Absolutely. run a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is the Royals' formula. Uh, we know the A's formula. I, I like that these formulas work for these franchises and it gets them to the postseason and even gets them to win. Even the San Francisco Giants, they had a formula, which was very pitching heavy, and it worked. So the thing is with the Yankees, what is their formula? Is it just we're going to try to slug our way there? I've said this, Gino, for a long, long time, and I know we've got to take a break. How many times have you heard me say the Yankees 
are filled with a lineup of power hitters that strike out too much. Well, yeah, no, they don't have. To a, me, a, it's not, you cannot win with that formula. I'm sorry. No, I don't. You I just don't, can't. They don't have enough. Um, they're not giving you enough good at bats throughout the lineup. I don't think you can win a World Series with that. That's a formula. It's funny because it's like it's very comparable to the NBA. They used to say the same thing about shooting threes, right? Like you'll never be able to win if you just shoot threes, and that's kind of a team. And and you, for the most part, you can't. Like the Warriors did only because they also played really good defense and stuff too. I think it's one of those things where the Yankees can do that and win a lot of games throughout the regular season. I don't think they can win a World Series with that template, you know? And and that's that that's what you have to go go into, right? Like wh- what kind of winning do you want? Many many teams and many organizations would be happy just getting into the playoffs, you know? Um but the Yankees that's not really what they want. They're not happy with just making a playoff and I don't know if their current roster maybe they shake things up maybe they uh they trade off one of their big big priced uh players for a couple other pieces you know maybe some some not a sexy name but players but um yeah I think they 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 sort of feel like a square peg in a round hole and I don't think they're going to finish last I don't think they're going to be bad I still think they're going to be a playoff team because the American League is really not that good but I agree with you in that I don't know if this group is a World Series winning group, and and that's even in in a weak era in the American League. Or, you know, I love like, how not- you threw. I love how you threw out. There's still going to be a playoff team. I think you said that so that we don't get a bunch of hate mail from the whole state of New York and all these Yankee fans. Well, no, I do because I do. Because no, I, I know you believe yeah, that, and yeah. and I think you're probably right. You know, let's take a quick time out. We're going to come back talk some National League West with. Friend of the show, Zach Buchanan of The Athletic MLB at The Athletic Arizona. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
Uh-oh, today's guest is on the line with us. Mike, why don't you introduce him? Yeah, we got Zach Buchanan, been on the show with us several times over the years. He is a writer for the Athletic Major League Baseball, and he also covers the Diamondbacks for the Athletic Arizona. Zach, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. Doing well. No, thank you for joining us. Let's uh, let's get right to it. Talk some NL West baseball. And uh, during the commercial, we were just kind of talking about this uh, afternoon's crazy ball game, 14 to 11. Uh, some leads kind of uh, given up, some back and forth baseball, a lot of home runs. Uh, let me start with actually a question about the uh, closer Crichton. And I'm being very, very selfish here because I'm in an NL only baseball league. And I need to pick up another closer. Who? What's going on with him? How do you hear his hand? Is it serious? Is it like a DLIL worthy situation? And who would be the next guy up? Uh, the, the, that last question is the hardest one to answer. Um, but it sounds like we probably won't have to answer it. Uh, Crichton got hit on by like a comebacker right on like the butt of the of his throwing hand, um, and he came out of the game. And at that point, I mean, they were up. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the score was at that point, but I don't think the game was particularly close. There was no reason to like push him through that and keep him in. Um, and they told us after the game, PR updated us to tell us that he had x-rays and they were negative. So it sounds like they've dodged a bullet there, even if he didn't dodge a baseball. But uh, And so I, I would think that yeah, he's going to avoid a, a stint on the injured list. And But, I mean, the question of who would take over if he, if he couldn't is like a huge one because – uh, I, in their bullpen, uh, if he got injured, he would be out along with Joaquin Soria, Chris Davinsky, and uh, and Tyler Clippard, who has been down all year with a shoulder problem. And That's right, uh, four of their those better four guys, Yeah, yeah, those four guys, I think, are the only relievers on the roster with more than two years of service time. Everybody else is, like, super young. I, well, there's an exception for Caleb Smith, but he started in the rotation. Um and so it's just like a big basket of unknowns back there. And they've gotten some decent performance despite that. Um, but it, I don't know who would close if, if Crichton couldn't do it. I guess maybe Kevin Ginkle. He's probably been the most impressive of their relievers so far. Yeah, and he's kind of intimidating, right? 6'4", like 230, 240. I mean, he's a big dude, you know. Can do that whole, he is like, a big dude. He's got a, he's got like this weird weird kind of setup where it's almost like if you could imagine a batter kind of bending at the knees, hunched over a little bit, waiting with his bat for the um, uh, for the pitch for the pitch to go into his windup. That's kind of how uh, Ginkle looks when he is like setting up before he goes into delivery. He's, he's like squatted down real low. It's a real strange look, and he's like very over the top with his delivery. So there's some deception in there. Uh, I'd imagine that um, if you'd have said, you know, almost 20 games into the year that uh, if Tim LaCastro was uh, leading the team in batting average, you'd probably feel like the team was was worse than than just around 500. But it's almost like they've they've like managed to 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 get things done, even though like nobody's offensively really ha- had like an incredible start. Obviously you can say the production from, uh, from Escobar with the, with the home runs early, but like nobody's been raking the ball and it, you know, you're in a tough division. Like it's not a bad place to be right now with, like we said, the bullpens had a lot of issues. Nobody's really crushing the ball and yet they're still not that bad right now. No, no. They, I, I think you can look at where they are right now at nine and ten, and feel like you're pretty fortunate to be there. 
Um, they have had some guys that have uh, stepped up and performed. Like Taylor Widener's looked really good, with the exception of you know he gave up a, uh, some runs late in his outing today. Um, Carson Kelly has gotten off it to a terrific start. He hit a big home run today. He's walked, drawn a walk in ten straight games. He looked good defensively, but they don't have Cattell Marte, who was finished fourth in MVP voting two years ago. They don't have Christian Walker, who's been a really steady middle of the order presence for them. He's hurt as well. We, we've t- gone over all the bullpen guys that are out. Um, Tim LaCastro is out. They're, the guys playing center field right now are a guy who a week ago was at the alternate side with the Royals, has barely any major league experience, and uh, Paven Smith, who was drafted as a first baseman and has never played center before, uh, asking being asked to move over there earlier this week after LaCastro got injured. So this is not like the roster they envisioned having. They're playing a lot of their younger players way more than they had anticipated. And yet, they've gone on this uh, I, I guess it's a seven four run over their last eleven to get on the verge of five hundred, and they beat some decent teams in the process. So uh, I think you have to feel pretty good about things if you're the Diamondbacks. Yeah, especially too because like Nick Ahmed has offensively been he hasn't shown up. Uh, well, their big prospect Josh Rojas, who I think is going to be a really good major leaguer, he's kind of starting to sort of come around, but he overall he hasn't performed very well. Like Gino mentioned, LeCastro, you know, he's a good table setter, but he's out. And the guy is speedy as heck. Uh, definitely need him in there. Cole Calhoun's missed some time. Uh, the injuries that you mentioned already, obviously the big ones with Marte and Walker. But I think that kind of leads to a bigger question, Zach, which is what's kind of like the goal? What's the strategy? What's the game plan for this organization? And what I mean by that is, this clearly isn't like an Astros or a Tigers reboot from a few years ago. This isn't like, let's gut this organization, start over, or like the Marlins. Uh, but it's clearly not a World Series winner. So what stage are they at? and What are they doing? Because, you know, until they brought up some of these youngsters that you're talking about, it's very um, veteran heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the game over the last 10 years has kind of taught us that, or let's led us to believe that there are like two tracks to winning. One is to like tear down and build up from the bottom up like the Astros did, like the Cubs did, like the Padres did. Um, the other is just to spend a ton of money and, uh, and, and be really good uh, and go for it. Um, the, the Diamondbacks are kind of trying to take a middle road, uh, kind of following a similar model to what, what you've seen the Rays do, not as extreme, like they're spending more money than the Rays, but they, they feel like they, they can't just lock everybody up. They're not, they don't have the payroll to be able to do that. Uh, but so when Mike Hazen took over five years ago, this team's farm system was abysmal. It was really bad. And so his kind of the story of his tenure is keeping the big league team competitive, maybe not like ever a favorite, but kind of in the mix every year while building up the farm system without having to rebuild. And they've traded away some some veteran players. They traded Zach Greinke. They traded Paul Goldschmidt. Um, there have been some notable departures, but he, he's he's tried to put a product on the field that has a chance every game that, that um, until last year had finished with a winning record every year. Um, 
while rebuilding the farm system, that last part of it, the farm system has come up in a big way. Uh, they have, I think, five or six top 100 prospects in their system right now. Um, they are probably a top 10, maybe a top 10, five farm system in the game. And we've talked about some of these younger players that are playing in, in the majors right now, but really the, the core of their farm systems at the lower levels with guys like uh, Christian Robinson, Alec Thomas, Corbin Carroll, guys who are all at low A and, and high A and rookie ball uh, two years ago when they had a minor league season. And if these guys perform this year in the minors and, and at, at the higher levels, these guys are going to be shooting into like the top 50 prospects. Some of them maybe the top 20, top 10. Uh, they're that exciting. And then the, the system is just really deep beyond that. They've had some very good drafts the last couple of years. Guys have barely gotten a chance to play because of the pandemic. And once these guys start showing up on the field, uh, they're going to be really, really well regarded. So there's, they've built this pipeline now, and now they're just trying to, to get that pipeline to where it's, it's feeding into the major league club, which it hasn't been yet in, in, in a, a meaningful way. And then you're going to see them kind of have this core of young players, maybe a couple veterans left over from kind of the previous era. And then they can go out and get kind of important pieces to fill around those guys. So they're kind of, it's been like a five year transition period that they're just now getting to the end of. Zach, you cover, uh, the entire major leagues, not just the Diamondbacks. The San Francisco Giants, second best record in the National League. I can't figure it out. Every week I tell Gino I can't figure out how they're doing well, but they continue to do well. What are your thoughts about the Giants and maybe other teams as well, like the Mariners, who have the same record, 11-7, and seven, and even the Royals, 10-7 and seven record. Uh, at the top of their division. What, what are your thoughts about some of these ball clubs? And do any of them kind of have longevity written all over them? Or are they just playing out of their you-know-what? Well, I, I do mostly just pay attention to the Diamondbacks. But I will say, like, I think if you look at this point last season, I think the Rockies were had, a, like, a really good record. And they, they finished the season terribly. Um, it is still so super early that I, I wouldn't put a ton of stock into anybody's records or who's leading what division. Um, I, I'd probably, if I were to believe in any of those teams, I'd probably believe in the Giants the least, just given the composition of the roster. It's it's a pretty old roster. The rotation is built with a ton of kind of one-year rentals. Um, they, they didn't really make moves that were like, we're going to win the division type moves. The Royals and the Mariners, the Mariners especially, are filled with like talented young players just breaking into the major leagues, which makes them pretty exciting. But if you look at the other teams in those two divisions, I mean, the Mariners are going to have to hang with the A's, the Astros, and the Angels, who are certainly built to win. I, you know, they haven't to this point, but um, you know, prior to this season, but the, they've got a ton of stars on their team. And the Royals got a, you know, the White Sox are just like loaded. They've got to deal with them. They've got to deal with the Twins, um, and so they. And even the Indians who, you know, despite making anti-competitive moves by trading Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, like they've still produced on the field the last several seasons, despite getting, you know, kind of pro- progressively less talented every year. Um, so I think it's going to be tough, a tough row to hoe for, for both of those squads to, to kind of finish this marathon in a playoff position. But at least with those two teams, you can kind of look and get excited about the future where the Giants is, you're kind of looking at the end of an era over there. Yeah. It makes uh, sense there. One team that I've been 
kind of excited about Zach uh, early on is uh, a team that they may have as good of a one-two punch atop their pitching staff uh, as as maybe anybody in the league right now, and they're not household names. You know, we're not talking about like Kershaw, Bueller, Bauer, or uh, we're not talking about Strasburg and, and Scherzer, but we're talking about Corbin Burns and, and Brandon Woodruff. For the Brewers, who have the third lowest ERA in the league at 2.71 right now, in 24 innings pitched, Burns has 40 strikeouts and zero walks. No walks. He has a .37 ERA and a .3 whip. And Woodruff has an ERA under two and a .74 whip. Like, that's a legit one-two. Yeah, it's impressive. I haven't gotten a chance to watch them much, but I, I was aware of that 40 strikeouts, no walks stat. That's nuts. I mean, I, what was it, like two or three years ago that Julius Chassin was like starting a playoff game for that team? And they were kind of just like, they were built around like, okay, let's just like have each of these guys go four innings and we're going to like turn it over to our awesome bullpen. And like, that's going to be how we get through the playoffs. And now they've got like two two very legitimate top of the rotation starters um, who, who every team in baseball would love to have atop their rotation. And they still have a really good bullpen. They still have Devin Williams and Josh Hader in that bullpen and, and several other guys who are, are nasty and tough to face. Um, and uh, that, that's still like a, on the hitting side, they still got a lot of like appealing hitters, Lorenzo Cain, yeah. Christian Yelich, Keston Hira, like a lot of guys that you would want on your team. So uh, they're, I think they're probably the, the sleeper in that division. Um, you know, everybody kind of focuses on the Cardinals because they traded for Nolan Arenado, and, and they should be very good over the long haul. But uh, if someone can knock them off, it might be the Brewers. Zach, before we let you go, what things are you working on right now for The Athletic? What are some of the things that uh, our listeners might be interested in? And I always recommend that they sign up for The Athletic. It doesn't get much better than that for team coverage, league-wide coverage, or coverage of any sport, really. But what, what do you got on tap, Zach? Well, I, I got a lot of things that are like way too in the early stages to tease. But one thing that uh, I'm working on, he's unfortunately in the minor leagues again, but Matt Peacock came up for this team uh, in the, the first road trip of the season um, and pitched like a, a crazy extra inning games at Coors and got, he got the win in his debut. He also came through with a hit in extra innings. That was really important. Um, and he's just got like an insane backstory. He was, he was not a particularly like highly regarded guy in college. He hurt his arm and walked away from the game um, one year in college and just said, you know, it hurts too much to throw. I'm, I'm going to go work with my uncle's uh, company in sawmills where they install this big industrial sawmill equipment, like a real dirty job. Um, one that he, you know, like he enjoyed it, but it's just like, it's hard work. It's like the farthest thing from like the glamor of baseball. And that was just what he was going to do. And then he decided like his arm started feeling a little better. He decided to come back. He had a great senior season, got picked in the 23rd round by the Diamondbacks and has shot himself up to the major leagues with this nasty stinker that he can just basically throw over and over and over and over and no one can do anything but hit it in the ground. Uh, and so he's got, just got a super interesting backstory and a really interesting perspective on being, uh, being a professional baseball player. And so I'm working on the feature on him that'll come out at some point. Good stuff there, Zach. Really appreciate you coming on with us. We will check back in with you as the season goes along. Thanks, Thanks. buddy. Thanks, Zach. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. That's Zach Buchanan of The Athletic Arizona, The Athletic MLB. Does a really good job covering the Diamondbacks. If you guys are at work and 
take a look at your phone for the uh, live tweets. He's really good at that game day up to the minute information, up to the second, really, for all things Diamondbacks. Gino, let's take our final commercial timeout, and we'll come back to finish the final segment. Stay with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Show.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hey, thanks to Zach for helping us out. Um, you know, we started, we talked a little bit about uh, the the Brewers with Zach, but I want to kind of go in a little deeper on them. I do think it, it is fascinating with the, a point that he mentioned. When you look at a team like the Brewers and you think about two years ago, three years ago, when they were very competitive, they were playing uh, the Dodgers with a chance to go to the World Series. He was right. They They didn't have like any starting pitching really at all. In fact, that was when Woodruff, was a guy who was like an up and comer and and was probably more well known out of the pen for his for his hitting like yeah, yeah. He was more and, and he, pitching wise he was coming out of the pen and he cracked a home run or two like you know and and he's always had a good stick these two guys are like if you had to play them in a series right now with those two man i'm telling you that would not be like first like a five game series to start you know you got to face those two guys multiple times. That would not be easy. Definitely not be easy. It's a team that's probably that I probably overlooked considerably, um, especially because I've been high on Woodruff. I, I can't say that I was looking at Burns as a uh, twenty-four inning, forty strikeout kind of guy. Uh, I'd be lying if I said that I projected that. But hey, man, I think that. Woodruff has shown me enough over the last couple of years because he is on my fantasy team uh, and I pay atten- quite close attention to him that he's he's legit. 
Burns certainly looks to be legit. I don't think you could strike out that many major leaguers in that little amount of innings and not be legit. Well, and so, the control. No walks. Yeah, it's and not keep like in mind he's something got... very, very important, you know. Travis Shaw is the leading hitter on the team. Batting 226, I believe. Yeah. I think any higher averages. Actually, that's not true. ESPN. I don't want to badmouth them, but they're they're not right. No, sometimes they the have guys that, that are qualified or are qualified, or yeah. So sometimes they're a little I don't off. Think but. Funky. but either way, he's he he's there aren't very many guys hitting. I mean, Keston Hura is batting one eighteen. Jackie Bradley Jr. two twelve. Lorenzo. A lot Gini, of their key uh, contributors. Yelich, you know, Yelich is hitting well, but he's only played nine games. Lorenzo Cain, 154. I mean, those are the big guys. Once they so, start hitting, exactly. look out. You know, and, that, and that's the thing. Like, you know Shaw, Jackie Bradley Jr., um, some of these everyday, Abazil Garcia, and then when Yelich is in the mix. Like, even just average seasons from them, now with the pitching and the bullpen that they have, this is a team that, you know, they, they're a scary matchup in a playoff series if they were to make it to that point. So, uh, some really good baseball from them over the last couple of weeks. They've won three in a row while the Reds lost three in a row. So they were able to make up a lot of ground in that division quickly. They're already uh, up uh, a game and a half now in the Central. And the funny thing is the Reds continue to put up runs. So they're on this losing streak. But I mean, today they uh, lost putting up 11 runs, I believe. So uh, their sticks are, are are doing well. Their ace isn't doing so hot, uh, but I'm sure he's going to rebound. I think he's probably one of the better pitchers in the National League. But, yeah, the um, Reds, not a team that I was high on. I think they're probably going to level off anyways and probably finish up uh, third or fourth in that division. Uh, the Cardinals haven't got on track yet, though, Gino. Uh, eight and ten record, two and four at home, minus run differential. I think that'll change. Um and, uh, you know, I'd say that both centrals are pretty wide open, both AL and NL central. Well, I mean, look at the East, too. Like, nobody's playing well in the National League East. Nobody, really. They're, they're like, no, but here's the thing. I would not be surprised to see the Braves on a very good run. Yeah, they're a good and ball club. The, the Nationals, Nationals, because they they have the similar formula as the Brewers. They had the, the COVID you know, issues early guys, on. Top, they were missing a lot exactly. of their players. And then I mean, the Mets just, have... You know, uh, the Phillies uh, have shown that they can play some good baseball at home, especially. Uh, and then and the Mets, the only one that probably doesn't have a great chance for the division is the Marlins. But at least they have some decent teams, some quality teams. Yeah, it's just I don't think any of those teams are great. No. I don't think any of uh, I think the Marlins are probably the weakest of them. But I don't I don't know. Uh, you know, they'll all kind of beat each other up throughout the year. And they'll probably all be, you know, we've like. We've got five games separated by uh, five teams separated by a game and a half right now in the NL East. Well, you know what I like about it? You know what's kind of cool to me is like in contrast to the AL East, AL East outside of the Rays, let's just say, has kind of a similar formula, at least between the the Blue Jays, the Yankees and the Red Sox, which is not great pitching. We're going to outscore you. It's kind of a similar formula, although. The Red Sox maybe have better quality hitters, but the strategy is yeah. the same. We're going to outslug you. The uh, National League East, though, I like it because each team is very uniquely distinct. You know, the Nationals obviously have the frontline starters at the very top. Uh, Scherzer, Strasburg, and they even have their next two guys are good as well. Braves have a different formula. Not good pitching, 
but very, very good lineup, very good hitting. Acuna's raking. Once everybody else starts raking, I think they'll win some games. Uh, the Phillies, I'm not really sure. It looks like they kind of hedged and went halfway with pitching, halfway with hitting. Um, and, and the Mets obviously have the best pitcher going right now, and they brought over Lindor. So each team has uh, like a uniquely different flavor to them, and I kind of like that. Yeah, I think one one guy who is deserving of a mention right now because, you know, he, he gets the big money. So when he doesn't perform, we're going to mention him is uh, is Bryce Harper. He's had a good start to the year so far in the 17 games that he's played. He's got 20 hits so far in those 17 games, and he's hitting 357. You know, he's always going to walk a bunch, too. He's got a 493 on base percentage, so he's basically getting on base every other time right now, and that's what they went and paid for this guy for, right? He's got four home runs early on in the year, um, so maybe Bryce can can be the guy in the middle of their lineup to carry this team because he's always going to be solid, but... When you pay for someone and you want him to be the best player in baseball, you expect him to be close to the best player in baseball. He's been a little disappointing so far, but uh, through 17 games this year, this looks like the guy they paid for. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, before we move on from baseball, because we've pretty much covered every single division and given our thoughts on that. uh, As a Dodger fan, I want to go back to them for a quick moment. We saw a brilliant outing from Julio Urias the other day. Uh, I think he, be- I believe he pitched the most innings he's ever pitched in the major leagues. Otherwise, had he uh, done that before, I would have liked to have seen him go the whole way. I miss the complete games. I love complete games. I love complete game shutouts. We're not an era where you see a lot of those, but man, he had some good stuff. They've been really for forever with him. They've always been really, really careful with him because uh, of some of the injuries that he had. And he was like one of their early prize possessions. But yeah, he came up is, when he was like 19 or something, right? Yeah, he was actually a teenager and he pitched and he pitched some really big innings for them, like yeah, right off the I bat, remember. you know, yeah. playoff innings. Um, it is like it, it is kind of uh, crazy to look at the Dodger pitching staff and think that there are. I mean, a lot of pitching staffs in the American League in particular, because we've talked about how many of them aren't good. Like, how many staffs would would like hurt? Would Julio be the ace for? <laughs> oh, probably the, the Dodgers have four legit aces, and 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 like, even, and I'm not kidding. Even May, you know, it's funny. Like May, even May for a lot of teams in the American League, he'd probably be the number one starter for the Royals. Right, I mean, like, think about how many teams he'd be the number, like the the Royals, number one. Mariners, Tigers, Orioles, you right? know, like, absolutely. You know, and it's it is funny when I watch these guys at the back end of the of the rotation, and it's one of those things where, like, you kind of said it last week. Does it get boring almost? And I've been very, very, um, I think because of the pandemic last year, and and mainly because of like the way the Dodgers have been kind of treated the last few years by their fans, like. The Dodger fans before last year, they they were making me sick. Like I wanted to, I was getting anxious, like hearing from all of them. They wouldn't like even enjoy a good baseball team winning baseball games. It was like a season would start. Oh no, we're not going to win the World Series. Oh my God, Kershaw's going to choke. Oh my God, this is going to happen. It's like, I, I find, I really wanted to make a, like I made notice, notice of it last year when there was no sports going on for a, for a couple months. When there was no baseball and no basketball and no football and no anything, I, I tried to tell myself that I'm going to really 
enjoy the sports more than I like get ahead of myself. You know, we get so emotionally invested all the time. It's like, man, I'm going to sit back and and like enjoy the three hours I have to watch this really good baseball game. I tried to tell myself that last year after missing it. And I'm doing a better job this year because man, I sit back and I like, just like that. I'm, I watch this team and I'm in awe and I'm like, wow, I'm just going to marvel at this. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to be grateful that I have a team this good to watch right now because we all know, Mike, you saw it with the Red Sox going from winning it all to being like miserable quickly. It can happen really, really quickly in sports. It really can. Well, look at the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. I mean, they kind of had like a decade run written all over them. And they had a long run. Two guys get hurt and then you're in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they they had a a nice long run. It wasn't a short-lived run. By any stretch of the imagination, but it looked like it was going to go on for there, there you know, was a while for an entire where ten years. It felt like they would never lose. Yes, and that's we we wouldn't really talk about basketball a whole lot on this show. And a lot of my like people who would say, "Oh, Gino, it's the Warriors." Are gonna, you know, they were bored. People were bored watching basketball because they felt like this team is never going to get beat. And then quickly, one injury, two injuries, another guy gone, and. You know, you look at the Dodgers now, they look like they're set up and they are going to be a great team forever. But I'm trying to just uh, to take it all in one day at a time and really appreciate it because, you know, I I, I never know. And, and the same thing with the Lakers. LeBron could be gone in a year or two and done. Anthony Davis is going to be back. I'm going to enjoy the good teams I have to watch. And I, I'm not going to try to worry so much like I did last year leading into they got to win the whole damn thing. Yeah, I think once you have something... It was the first time in our lives that we had sports taken away. So yeah. uh, I think it changed a lot of mindsets. Um, and like you you were mentioning, you know, just in terms of all the negativity and stuff like that, I hope that some people have a similar opinion as to you, uh, as myself as well. I have a great appreciation. I'm just thankful that it's back. You know, um, and uh, Twitter is, I have not, I've tried to stay away from Twitter, to be honest with you. There's not a lot of good that comes out of, reading on Twitter because it's more there's more negativity than positivity on there. Uh, I used to think it was just the horse racing community, but it's it's every it's every league, every sport, every politician. You, gotta take, you name it. It's just take uh, it and, 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 and I, I, I use think it the you're right more way. tolerant of it than I am for me. Yeah. I, I just uh, I don't want to keep reading about everybody complaining and bitching about things because I am so thankful. I am so appreciative of all the things that we have well, I just, in that's this country mute, and in our lives and in my personal comes life. Into play. You, just, you just mute that stuff and you just block it and say, I try to use it for a tool of uh, staying in touch and interacting with people. And then as an informational tool, right? Like how many great beat writers or people we follow from the athletic or all these places Absolutely. are able to, to give out information at the drop of a hat. You know, and that's where I am. I got my alerts on for like big places and big, uh, so I can always make sure that whatever news is happening, I know it right away. And uh, um, and hey, you know what? It's nice because we can always uh, help promote our show out there and uh, and, and and interact and, and meet with some great people. But yeah, it's like anything. There's a lot of negativity on there. Um, I try to uh, try to you know take the good in and then uh, get rid of the bad. It's it, it it gets toxic and we're almost done, man. That was like we we talked a lot of baseball today because. Baseball is is I'm having fun early on in the season with baseball and we didn't have this last year. I think you and I as like dorky baseball fans are just very excited to have the full 162 back. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. I love it. And, you know, God willing, we uh, see the stadium is more and more filled up as the as the season goes along. And uh, I miss crowds. I miss uh, loud cheers for home runs. I miss booing. I miss all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, yeah, this was a very baseball-centric episode. We're uh, about to close things up. But to look ahead to next week, we got the NFL draft starting the same Thursday of our next week's show. And we also have the Kentucky Derby. So we'll have a lot of Derby talk, a lot of Oaks talk next week. That's it for tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Have a tremendous weekend. Thank you for listening. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.